Hi, dear listeners. Sam here. Before we start, just want to do a little catch up. So we are right now in week four of the SAG strike, I want to say. We just passed 100 days of the writer strike. And there's been a lot of back and forth on what kinds of media we are allowed to be doing. So I've been in touch with people who know things and have been told that we are okay to continue slash have not been told that we are not okay to continue. So for right now, we're going to continue our schedule as is, but you might have noticed that I have not been promoting these episodes on any of our social media. So in the past, I've done audiograms, I've done little behind the scenes photos, I've done stills from the episodes, and we haven't been doing any of that because we are not supposed to be promoting struck work. And this is technically struck work, but the one time I'm going to say I'm glad I wasn't on private practice because <laughs> if I was on private practice, then I could not be promoting this. But since this is a tiny little independent podcast venture, and I started this because I wanted to do something creative that I loved and that I really enjoyed. So, you know, I really don't make money from this at all. I don't have a big iHeartRadio contract or NPR contract or anything like that. And I wasn't in this show and none of my guest hosts were in this show. So for now, we're going to continue. And if we're advised to stop, we'll let you know. But for now, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for supporting the people who create your favorite shows. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about Private Practice Season 5, Episode 9. Episode 9, The Breaking Point, was written by Christopher Fife and directed by Jeff Bleckner. It aired on November 17, 2011. Enjoy! Please welcome actor, director, teaching artist, inclusion activist, and host of the podcast, Conversations with a Mixed Chick, Christina Pena. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, anytime. You look so gorgeous. I already told you that, but I figured I'd say it for the dear listeners. Thanks. I washed my hair. That's what I say now. (laughs) (laughs) Your lips match your nails and your mic. Everything's very, very good. So, Summer Friday, Cherry. Oh, yeah. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. Looking beautiful. Yeah. So how are you? I'm good. I'm moving to London in a month. So I, or a month and a half. So I'm like. Let's tamper these expectations. Okay. <laughs> She's not moving to London forever. For I'm now. moving for two months right now. Okay, there but I'm living in the world of like in boxes and going through stuff, which is always great. But I always have yes. time to watch an episode of Private Practice. Yeah, because I am not ready for you to be in another continent at the moment. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You can't go before I'm ready for that. Okay. <laughs> Mentally unwell. Okay, so how are you preparing? What are you going to do when you're there? Do you want to not talk about it? Oh, um... I mean, like, I have to go through all my stuff because I've lived out of boxes for the last, like, three years. So that's a lot of fun. 
I have class twice a week and then I have like a bunch of time to do stuff. So I'm going to like go to Amsterdam and go to Denmark and go to Germany and all these places that I have friends in. So it's like I'm kind of going for two months to go to school and backpack at the same time. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Which is fun and interesting and, yeah, exciting. I feel like you should go to Italy and stay at the White Lotus Hotel. That would be the vibe for you. I've been to Italy. I love Italy. I would go to the White Lotus Hotel, but I would um, come in full, um, like, drag of any character. (laughs) Be happy about it. Find me as Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, as you should. Yes. So what else are you reading and or watching right now? Okay, so I've read 84 books this year. Oh my god. So I just started my 85th today. And uh, it's a book I read every year and it's Great Gatsby. Yeah, you do. So excited that I'm on my summer read of Great Gatsby. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm reading. I just watched season 14. I finally watched season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race. So that was interesting. But yeah, I feel like I live in a world of like reading a complex text of Great Gatsby and then watching RuPaul's Drag Race at the same time. And it keeps me humble. It's called Balance. (laughs) It's called Balance. Yeah. I just read Tom Felton's book. Ooh. I've been on a much – I've really not been reading a lot this year. I don't know why. I just can't get into it. But Tom Felton's book was really interesting. He, for those of you who, for some reason, don't know, he played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, Mm -hmm. and this book was about so much more than that, and he went to rehab twice. I had no idea. I don't think anyone knew, and having finished it two days ago, I know, yeah, your face, no one knew. I was thinking about him a lot in this episode, so I'm glad. I knew this was coming up. And so I went, mm. when I was reading it and that came up, I was like, oh my God, that's, I think Amelia went to rehab in Malibu. <laughs> so even though she went to like a school, I'm pretty sure that place that she went in the filming was like a school. It was not, there was no way the size of that is like a real rehab. Oh no, no. <laughs> but I was like, oh, where's Tom Felton? <laughs> Interesting. I just finished Dark. I don't think I've brought it up on here. I love historical fiction. And I feel like a lot of historical fiction is about, like, kings and queens and princesses and all of that. And Dark is about normal people and, like, base royalty. Like, we're talking not even dukes and duchesses. We're talking about, like, landowners who have tenants. It's on Amazon through BBC, and it's set from, like, 1780 to 1802, and it is very much, like, a British romantic historical drama, so I rolled my eyes quite a few times, but I really loved it. It's beautifully shot. I now really want to go to Cornwall, and I got my mom to watch it, too. Do you have anything to promote? I have great friends. Um, my friend Samantha has a podcast. Everyone should listen to it. It's called Beach House and Babies. It's what I have to promote. <laughs> cool. 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 Do. All right. For our patient breakdown this week, we have first notes and miscellaneous per usual. Spoiler alert. I don't have any first notes. 
Me either. We have, yeah, it's fine. We have Addison Ford Montgomery with talk therapy and hormone therapy, as well as fluid aspiration. We have Amelia Shepard, drug addiction. We have Haley with drug addiction. And we're going to talk about Amelia and Haley in the same part. We have Toby Chang with lupus, nosebleed, liver failure, hemophagocytis, lymphohistocytosis. I almost thought you should just record Cooper saying it and then put it on. (laughs) No, because when I watched him say it, I was like, you know he struggled. Uh Uh-huh. You could see in his face. Wait, I literally ran. I was like two centimeters from physically running into him at a strike at Universal last week. Of course you were. And I did the thing that I do often. Anyone who lives in a major metropolitan area slash like anyone in the industry will know the feeling. You see someone – an autumn, you recognize them and you're like, hey. And then at, like in a quarter of a second, you're like, do I know this person? Is this a parent of one of my friends or do I just see them on television? Yeah. So it took me a quarter of a second because I was like, hi. And then I was like, hi. <laughs> but I, ha- I had a mask on, so I don't think he actually noticed me being confused. It's okay. Maybe he did. We made eye contact, but only to be like, hello. Mm-hmm. Here for the strike. Okay. So I got through Toby. Yes. Hemophagocytic lymphohistocytosis. I am available for booking. <laughs> Pete Wilder with cardiac studies. And I talk about the violet of it all in there too. All right. I don't have any first notes. Do you? No, because it started like right on Addison. Yes. So let's start with Addison. What's your first note about Addison? I thought the line you still can't control what happens to your kids Mm. was really interesting. It's just like interesting when I hear Addison talk about children in this episode and like a lot leading up to this episode, but I think maybe it's like the whole private practice general. I just like feel like Addison's not actually ready for children. And when you make a statement like that, when you like are talking about a family, that's not even your family. I don't know. It just, I was, I've, it made me like question Addison's whole motivation for having kids. But she weird? considers Amelia her family. I know. But like But not her child. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. That was interesting to me. Okay. Okay, yeah. No, I, I see that. I hear that. I acknowledge that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> My first note is she thinks she's pregnant. Yeah. I don't know. I have heard that like sometimes when someone is pregnant, they just know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know either, (laughs) but I, yeah. Apparently sometimes you just like, know, which is interesting. Also, I know we haven't seen her at home in a while, but Amelia Mm -hmm. was in her house and we haven't seen her cat in like a really long time. Not cat erasure. No. And also the whole time that Amelia was there with Ryan, just like being super high and drunk, I was worried that they were going to leave the door open and let the poor cat out. I'm always worried about that. Violet is so excited for Addison being pregnant. And she's like, wait, you promise you'll tell me? And I just thought she was really sweet. It also made me like confused maybe because I know that they had that whole talk on the swings about like Naomi's gone. I have no person. Let's be friends. And I kind of thought it was just going to be like a let's have lunch together and talk about the weather and like the movies. But it really seems like they're actually trying to have a relationship because, you know, Charlotte is 
preoccupied with Cooper and Mason. Amelia mm-hmm. is not. Amelia. <laughs> yeah, Amelia's not there. And yeah. it really is like, who is Addison going to talk to about this? She has kind of been talking about it with Jake, but there is this perspective on this that Jake doesn't get that Violet does. So I thought that was interesting. The two of them paired up like that. Do you think that they're, cause I like read about their conversation too. Do you think they're actually trying to be friends or do you think they are using like, I don't even know if the word is what the word Distraction. is. Like they're almost, well, they're almost like trauma dumping on each other. Like um, Addison's talking about like how she wants to have kids and like Violet's like hyping her up. And then like Violet's like, talking about how her husband doesn't love her and Addison's like, well, maybe you should just try. Like, it feels like they're not actually, they're having these conversations about things that are happening that aren't the actual problem. They're talking about like the upper level of their relationship, not like the actual problems. It feels like surfacey level relationship versus like a real true friendship. But like, those are friendships everyone has to. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I feel like when we talk I'll talk about something. We'll solve it. We'll go to your thing. We'll solve it. We'll go back to mine. We'll solve it. And I kind of, it felt like a normal relationship to me. They're not going to be the same level that Addison and Naomi are. And they're not going to talk like normal Addison and Amelia talk because it's a different relationship. But I, yeah, I say later, I feel like this is the first episode in maybe three seasons that Violet has not been 100% selfish. (laughs) your face your face okay but like it's an improvement uh mm -hmm. oh boy okay (laughs) let's let's move on um when jake tells addison that she is not pregnant he gives her the speech even though she understands it intellectually because she's not going to get it emotionally and i liked i think that he is really doing a good job being on both sides of the line of like treating a fellow doctor Mm -hmm. and treating a person who is trying to do this very life altering thing. I think also um, I like that he isn't like, you know, this problem with this practice is that they're so intertwined with each other and he wants to be there as a person who she works with, but also like a reality of I am the doctor here and you're not. Yes. Even though, like, it is her specialty, it's nice that he doesn't just, like, let it go. He's like, no, we're going to have the conversation. You're going to listen. And then we can move on. But it's like, yes. you need someone there who will actually have, like, a backbone and keep you accountable for what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he says it's not over unless you want it to be. Mm. And then she's trying to think of how she feels. She says she feels wistful. You know, what? what, what are your notes? I don't like how motherhood obsessed Addison is. It's like, it's really strange because I love Addison on Grey's for being a badass doctor. And like, I feel like in private practice, she almost not even loses it. It's like, it becomes like her whole story is about this child, like having a baby. And like- Welcome to season five. I know. And- it just is sad because Addison is such a good character that, I mean, like, I you can totally, like, want to have a baby and that can be your main focus. But, like, I, even if Addison was, like, obsessed with this, I don't think she would completely neglect 
everything else around her like she's doing. You know what I mean? To play devil's advocate, I think we're just not seeing it. That's fair. I think the only thing that she is outright neglecting is understanding that this relationship with Sam is not going to work out. I It's like she almost gets there. Like she takes him to therapy with her and he literally uh-huh. says, I have been nothing but honest with you about not wanting a child, which is true. And she's yeah. like, la-di-da, la-di-da. Okay, let's yeah. get married. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And she even says, like, it's not lit- it's not the pregnancy and then it's over. Like, it's a pregnancy and then the feedings and then there's childhood and parenthood. And like I've been saying. Which is hilarious because, like, he's actually a parent and she's not. And he understands yeah. what it's going How to be much. like. And I don't know if she does. Because she was raised by staff and not her yeah. parents. Uh-huh. I think she would be a great mother. I think she should have the opportunity to be a mother. Yes. And... I am glad that we're seeing this on television. You can cut this because I don't know if this is... Well, she's been pregnant, right? Because she was pregnant with McSteamy's child. Mark's child, yeah. Yeah. So it's like... I think it's really interesting to show... Not like what a later in life woman with regret... It's almost like it shows her regret. Because it's like she did this thing. She has had this. And now she has to like try harder to get there. Which is what... A lot of women go through like I understand where it's coming from it just is getting shown as like when I want a baby and I don't care about anything else around and it's not even like strong I don't care about everything else around me because she like wants Sam and she wants a practice and she wants all these things but it's like not strong and nothing is strong nothing is as strong as this want for a child no like just nothing in general is strong because like even if like if she put everything out of the way and focused on just having a child I would find her much more appealing as a character but because everything is almost like 80 percent like there's no 100 percent does that make sense or am I just rambling it doesn't not make sense yeah I I think I see where you're coming from it's it's hard on a procedural show like this Right. Because if they showed all IVF all the time, it would be a totally different show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's really interesting about what you said about her previous pregnancy. I think it's really important and it hasn't been talked about. And I wonder – or like it hasn't been talked about in the episodes I've watched. It has, time. but we yeah. haven't – But not in a while, right? I mean, It's just it's like it's as women – I mean like this is getting on a soapbox. But I think currently – I mean, this this episode's from, you know, 12 years ago. But, like, currently, as women, I think it's actually quite hard to get pregnant. I know a lot more people that struggle with pregnancy than have easy pregnancies. And so, to watch something like this, and she's... How old is she in the show at this point? She's in her 40s, yeah. Which isn't insane. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's not an insane age to want to have children. It's just, like, it's just interesting that they're... I wish it had gone further, but then I understand, like, 12 years ago, it was not the same conversations we have now about women having children. Yeah. But I think having a child or deciding to have a child is one of the hardest things a woman can do. Just saying. Yeah. (laughs) How about when Pete said to Sam, quote, filling Addison's uterus is going to become an extreme sport with Violet. Yep. Just, like, shows how much I don't like Violet. (laughs) Okay, but it's Pete who said it. 
But it's it's true. It's, like you watch Violet and she's so obsessed with someone else's problem that she won't fix her own problem. Well, Sorry. should she tries to? I can't believe I'm going to bat for Violet right now. I know. I can't believe but you she, are either. I know. I can't believe it. But <laughs> she she's tries to and we're gonna get to Pete later but like she goes to bat and like when she has that realization in Addison's office right when Sam comes in I thought she was gonna realize that oh my god Pete thinks he's gonna die but what Mm. she realized is oh my god he's not gonna leave because he's too obsessed with not leaving yeah I'm actually really proud of her for saying I will leave if that's yeah. what you want so that you don't have to leave. Well, we could talk about that later too because I have lots of comments about that too. I cannot believe I'm going to bat for, for her right now. I, I just, I find it. her obsession with Addison getting pregnant. It's almost like it's really interesting because like when we get to the part, and this is still in Addison, when we get to the part where Violet set, where like Sam comes in and she goes, like they're giving her the shots they're giving Addison the shots and she's like she says something to Sam Sam offers to help right like even though he doesn't want this child right he's offering to help and she says something like because you don't want it and it was just like I go there's the Violet I love to hate because (laughs) it's none of her business like it's just like she's almost trying to bring their relationship down to a level where her and Pete are so that she doesn't seem like the worst couple on the screen interesting is that just me no I just I feel like she's trying to almost like trying to pull them apart and I don't get why because like they're already falling apart on their own (laughs) like yeah I I just think that the Addison and Violet being so close in this episode is simply a product of where everyone else's storylines are even though Addison is like, even though Addison is number one on the call sheet, I think that yeah. her and Violet being in this very specific relationship is more about everyone else's current plot lines than theirs. It's almost like Alex and Gray in um, yeah. Grey's Anatomy and how they like became friends because like everyone else had their other storylines, <laughs> but they like are great friends. Yeah, everyone else is gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. She has two frozen embryos left, but she mm-hmm. wants to start over. Mm-hmm. And she has this whole regime ready. And that's where I was thinking, wow, it must be really hard to be a doctor to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, I almost had a question of like, was she actually prescribed the shots or did she just start taking them by herself? Because there was no actual like moment where it was said that the shots came from Jake. Like they just appeared one day. And I was like, did she just find illegal shots and start taking them no oh my god no i do not i figured not but had the moment of that i don't think that was that's it i think that's probably just a deleted scene probably no i think and again like starting over is really hard in that kind of scenario and it just is like it causes so much stress on a woman's body that it's the fact that she decides to do that it's just like it's just hard and it, it was not shocking to where she gets to the point where like it physically incapacitates her Oh, yeah. She passes out. Yeah. I cannot believe that Sam would not go into that hospital room. I can. Time to break up. It's time to break up, friends. Break up. It's over. I think that Sam knows that. I don't think Addison knows that. I think, like, 
Sam is strong enough to leave, but I don't think he wants to hurt Addison. Is that me? It might just be me. I think that I think that Sam not going in is actually not a bad thing. But I don't know. I think they each know it at different times, but it's never at the same time. That's fair. He was just there for her last episode when Amelia was in the height of her addiction spiral whatever we're gonna call it yeah in the height of her yelling at everyone it has really kind of been a lot of sam being there for addison and not a lot of the opposite mm-hmm. susan being sick busy dying the only time that she has really been there for him in that way is when maya was in the accident but even then it's it's her best friend's child it's not even like really being there for sam you know he hasn't had yeah. something to really be there for does that make sense mm-hmm. no yeah okay my last note about addison is that i do appreciate that sam speaks up and finally tells her that he doesn't want her to do the transfer he like says it and you can tell that he is worried about her yeah and it it's doesn't even to me, it doesn't really come from the place of him not wanting her to have a child. It comes from the place of him not wanting her to... Kill herself, essentially? Yeah, kill her body yeah. and end up yeah. in the hospital injuring herself because of this. She already has done the transfer, and she was going to tell him that evening, but that she's done after this round. No, I think that Sam... I think that my last notes about this are with Sam. The same thing you said about the going to tell her because it, it makes him as a character really strong. But I think also when he goes to therapy with her and he's like, I question why she brought him there. Like I know she oh, brought absolutely. him there to have the shrink tell him that he's wrong, but he sits there yes. and he's nothing. He's nothing but honest. Like he's and like he's always been honest about it. And it's like, and the, and the shrink is almost like, you know, Addison, like, no. And it's like, she doesn't even take a moment to listen. Like, if she had sat in that therapy room, listened to what he had to say, had a conversation outside of therapy, then done the embryo transplant, I would have had more respect for her. But she goes from, he really doesn't want this. I want this. Have the embryo transplant. And then he, like, pours his heart out to her. And it's like, I don't want you to die. And she's like, well, I already did it. So what do you want? And I'm like, he just wants a conversation like all he wants is like your respect i don't know it's sad it's just sad no, I, to watch. I get that i just think that she has her mindset on doing this yeah. whether it's with a partner or not and i mean she had it she's always said like her timing has just always been awful like when she was pregnant it was with the wrong guy at the wrong time but it wasn't it wasn't I, it believe me so good because with the right guy is it the right guy, but internally she was wrong? <laughs> oh, I know. Literally, don't even get me started. But yeah. I, I just think that she is, she has her heart set on this. And if he doesn't want to be a part of it, he doesn't want to be a part of it. But that means that he also can't stop it. It's also sad, but like truly shows the desire women have to be children can, or the desire for people to want to do something literally so bad that she will kill herself. Oh, oh, yeah. she is she is more obsessed with having a child than like I've had like my aunt has had pregnancies that have almost killed her too and the first one was so bad that when she got pregnant the second time it was like why are you doing this like it just like you could die like you almost died why do you want to almost die again and so it's like the the strong 
desire we have as people to want to have a family it just like it's scary sometimes oh yeah yeah i mean it's like a evolutionary biological thing also yeah anyway poor addison poor sam poor everybody yeah poor jake poor jake (laughs) jake's just sitting there like trying his best like hello i'm a new character (laughs) it's a check guys it's a check (laughs) all right on to amelia shepherd and Haley. Those hazy, blurry, moving shots and the audio, I loved that. Amelia's point of view of like, instead of being like previously on private practice, even though they did, yeah. <laughs> just seeing exactly where Amelia is with those like blurry, hazy shots. I can't I tell if it. I like it or hate it. I mean, it was better like- than the zoom in um, documentary style videography in the meeting later fair it was just it was really interesting because i'm like it it would be interesting if it was hazy the entire time but like the audio is clear at some points and like haze is out in other points i mean i don't know but it was interesting and i can't tell if i loved it or hate it but i see how you loved it i mean it's kind of like when you're like doing a million things at once which her brain is doing a million things at once you like focus in on one thing and then you focus on another thing or like when you're half asleep and you mm-hmm. are like watching TV or like listening to something and you just like kind of bops in and out. I appreciate it. I mean like visually and storytelling it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Addison's arm around her was like very big sister, almost surrogate mom energy. I appreciated that. I love the two of them. And okay. I feel like you're going to identify with this. Okay. I've been thinking a lot lately about how when you go into a situation specifically medical, mm-hmm. when you're the patient or you're the family of the patient, it's very scary and unknown. And like you're doing everything for the first time and like you don't even know, let's say like where the elevator is or like you don't know the layout. Everything is brand new to you. Yeah. But for the provider – it's just their Tuesday 11 a.m. appointment. And mm-hmm. I just really hope that providers think about that. But I think a lot of people don't. I was specifically thinking about that when the person was explaining to Amelia how the detox was going to work. Yeah. Because Amelia is obviously not taking this in. I'm not saying you have to be like, hello, hello, I'm right here. But like, wait for her to engage with you. Because what you're telling her is important. She's mm-hmm. obviously not in the state of mind to hear it. I was curious why she was portrayed so judgy. Like, she was really judgy and, like, not supportive. And I'm like, there's just, like, I mean, like, not like I've been to rehab before, but I've been to, like, scenarios where. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah, it made no sense. Like, I was like, I don't understand why you're not, like, just, like, the littlest bit of support for someone who's about to start a really intense journey. Yeah, no. Looks who looks the way that she does and has obviously been through some things in the past couple hours. Well, and like, yeah. And the actress did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like it's easy when you're in a place like that and you work in a place like that for things to become very routine. And I'm sure that that woman has seen a lot. And I'm sure she has to disassociate a little bit. But like, First of all, I'm sure that place is very expensive. 
Of course. It's in fucking and, Malibu. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah. like, I want everyone who works there to be very empathetic. Well, but I mean, like, you talk about, like, the episode before, right? Where she's in the um, the intervention, and the intervention lady is a previous, is a recovered addict. And, like, even she has, like, she's very hard on Amelia, right? But she has, like, the littlest bit of empathy. There's still empathy there, like, right? Yeah. She's, like, understands. She's empathetic to, like, Amelia and to the people around her. But she's, like, having this, like, true conversation about, like, what rock bottom is. And I feel like this woman just, like, missed the empathy course. Like, it was, like, we're just going to talk about how rock bottom you are. And you're just going to go further. And, like, but granted, like, there are some people who truly, like, need that kind of person in their health care system. Like, you need someone who's not going to bullshit you. Because, like, there are, like, don't even get me started on doctors who bullshit you about, like, BMI, right? Like, People are like, you're so fat and obese because you have a high BMI. But I'm like, but I could run circles around your skinny ass, right? So, like, (laughs) it's just, like, the conversation of, like, you need to find where you fit. And I just, like, I think that they picked the wrong person to do Amelia's intake form. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh, I loved when Amelia's in that detox room with Debbie Ryan and says... It's just our nerves healing from all the crap we shoved into them. Mm-hmm. Appreciated that. It's a good one. And then when they're out of there, Haley says, was Ryan the bad influence? And she says, no, I think I was the bad influence. And that is very true. Yeah. Sheldon comes to visit her. He tries I... and then he, she sent him away. I almost cried. Back. I was like, of course Sheldon came. Of course he did. Oh, and Haley says no one comes to visit me. You should let your friends in. Yeah, that's so good. And then he, when he comes back, I wrote this quote because it really made me smile. It says, "I don't know how to hate you, and I couldn't if I tried." <sighs> and it shows like the goodness in people. And when you're someone who's going through like any kind of problem, like let alone like addiction is a whole other ballgame. But if you're going through something. And you need and you lash out at people, like to have someone tell you that there's like never something you could do to make them hate you is a mm-hmm. really beautiful sentiment because she did some really bad things and said some bad things. But like to have that amount of empathy that Sheldon has is kind of beautiful because Sheldon goes through some shit. My God. At- 17 minutes and 28 seconds when they're in group therapy. Did you notice the tear stains on Amelia's shirt? Oh, no. Is it after Haley calls her out? It's before. Oh. So I'm looking at that twofold. As someone in the industry, I'm like, okay, so you've already done a couple full takes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as someone looking at this as a real world with real people that we're just seeing happen in real time... I'm seeing like, oh, she has already been crying today. Yeah, that's funny. Because it's very obviously tear stains. It's like two little drops. Yeah. It's not like she spilled coffee or something. At least that's something you could hide. Because like I watched something the other day where filming from the back, the woman is eating and filming from the front, her her like fork is on the plate. <laughs> like at least like tear stains, you can like. You can, it, a reason. it could come off either way. Yeah. Like it could come yeah. off as like someone was having a heart. Cause like, I mean, you're in re- like, no one looks good in that place. Even when you like leave, no one looks good. Like, 
I want a pair of jeans like that that she has that I can just like sit comfortably in. Where do we buy those? Right? The ripped pair. They're probably brand new. Like how are they brand new and that pliable? No, I feel like Addison packed her a bag. No, but like, no, but not. not You mean like on set? Yeah. Oh, see, see, here's the thing. I'm of two minds. Either they're my real <laughs> friends. They're like my friends uh-huh. going through all of this or okay. there are people on a set. You're an actor? Yeah. Yeah. Either like I can invite Addison to my birthday party. Or. <laughs> but so you mean like set wise they're real. Yeah. Yeah. I, set wise I mean on the set they're first time worn. Likely. Yeah. yeah. They're like taken out of a bag. <laughs> Yeah. Although I do feel like we've seen when the jeans she wears later when she's walking with Sheldon, I do feel like she's worn those before. It's the ones with the rips yeah. that I don't think we've seen before. Fair. But story wise, I think Addison packed her bag for her and just took her straight there. Yeah. Haley says to Amelia, I need you to make it. And I said, mm. same girl. Haley is the writer speaking for all of us. All of us. Yeah. I love that Haley calls her out in the group setting too. Oh my god, yeah. It was a very real moment because Amelia is so like I love Amelia's character throughout like everything she does. Like not everything she does, because I don't support everything <laughs> she does. But like as a character, she's really interesting to watch. But there's like when she's in the facility, she's so like preacher higher than now. But like I have friends like that who have gone through something like unbelievable and when they talk about it still they have this like air about them that they're they're better than you about it and it's not even like on purpose like I have tons of friends who've gone through like eating disorders and you talk about like you're like I'm having a problem with xyz and they're like oh well when I had that problem and I'm like I don't need you to tell me your problem I need you to listen and I feel like that's what Amelia is missing she's like She's like, oh, I've, I've been through this. I get it. I'm almost done. I'm going to get through it again. And I'm like, mm, are you? Because like, are you? <laughs> giving input or giving advice before you're asked. Yeah, that's a big no-no. No-no. But that's also growth. And that is also being on a television show. Yeah. I loved her quote, um, staying sober here is like being happy at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you have not been to Disneyland as an adult who is trying to like have the best time. And there's just like this child who will not shut up. Like you have not gone through that, Amelia, but I did appreciate the sentiment of. Yeah. Joy. It's easy. <laughs> it's an easy place. Easy. To... Yeah. Yeah. I also found the group therapy, like with all the family, almost like awkward. Like it was awkward. Oh but, yeah. Like I have. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I was like, I kind of like I don't know it was like I couldn't tell if I believed her or not and I guess that's like the point with like um, with her character but it was still interesting she I think she was being truthful but again Mm -hmm. yeah saying that there is different than actually putting it into action so we'll see I guess yeah they're all having trouble making eye contact with her and they all have really closed off body language but Amelia's body language is open which I thought was really interesting. And not only are they not making eye contact with her, but they're not making eye contact with each other. I think it also, like, if you look at, like, the setup of how it was set up in comparison to, like, the intervention, where everyone in the intervention is, like, 
super open and they have all these dynamics and like who's standing and who's not and like power you can just see the power dynamics of the situation to they're all sitting in a very small couch facing each other and no one's looking at Amelia yes and it's like are they forced to be there like why and it was like it was interesting who came or like who she invited because there were like some people that weren't invited. Jake's not there yeah yeah Jake's not there. uh is Charlotte there? I couldn't remember if Charlotte yes. was there. Everyone's there except for Jake. No, there was someone else who wasn't there that's like a prominent... Naomi? No, I can't remember now. No, anyway. everyone's there except for... Everyone is there except for Jake. Okay. And Fife and Naomi. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you're probably I... thinking that Naomi should be there. Yeah, but yeah. you can't really get her to come. <laughs> no, she's not on the same... Yeah. She didn't... Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like it I feel like it takes a lot for someone to apologize that truthfully to that many people who so close to her at one time. I feel mm-hmm. like that is Gross. it takes a lot to be like I was wrong. I am really sorry. And then I was thinking back when she was walking around with Sheldon and she thinks that she has blown her life up and she Can you hear? Mhm. And she thinks that she's blown up her career at the office. Do you think there's like some kind of, I don't know if this is like a devil's advocate thing, but like, do you think there's some kind of cop out to it in not doing it like individually? I don't know. I just like, I wonder like, cause I've never gone through something like that as like the addict, but like, I know there are times that like I've messed up in a group scenario and sometimes it feels like it's, easier to have like a blanket I'm sorry than to have like one-on-one conversations with people you hurt that's fair I just like I want I wonder if it's like a cop-out of like I'm gonna apologize to everybody but she never like I just I noticed this she never really like says what she's sorry for like she's like I'm sorry I, I had these moments where I was mean to all of you and da 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 but there's never, like, she said some very hurtful things individually to them that if I was on the receiving, like, if I was Addison Montgomery and she said some shit to me like that, I would be like, I expect, like, you to say why you're sorry and, like, mean it and understand what you said. That's fair. Or at least give me the, give me the opportunity as Addison Montgomery to be like, here's what you said and here's why it hurt me. And I feel like that's what I'm missing in this is, like, there's not a recognition of I did this this I mean it would take forever on a tv show I get it like whatever but it's just like I don't know I know what you're but saying. I love yeah she says to Sheldon she's not ready to make amends fair so I think this was like a checkbox in rehab yeah and I think in the next couple episodes we'll see more her talking to yeah. other people specifically I could, I could feel that I could I could see that Haley's back at rehab makes me real sad but I'm glad that they showed it oh yeah because I feel like in a lot of tv shows where they talk about rehab like someone goes and then they're just like miraculously healed yeah and there's something about at least in like the seasons of Amelia's addiction like throughout all of her story line on Grey's, including private practice, like you see her go through these ups and downs mm-hmm. and to have someone like Haley at 18, like 18 is hard 
in general, but to see her like fully thrive and overcome what happened to her. And then like to see it all tumble down in such a short amount of time. It's a very true blanket of like addiction is a disease that takes a long time to comprehend. Yeah. And Amelia says to Haley, I was your age. The first time I got sober. The first time. Yeah. Uh So we know that this already is a relapse. Mm -hmm. When Amelia said, I'm your family now and I will help. I want Haley to come to Gray's. Oh. 11 years later. Like hopefully not related to any sort of substance abuse, but just like coming in with her kid who has an ear infection or like. That would be so interesting. Yeah. And Amelia just sees her in the ER and is like, Haley? Amelia? Oh my gosh. I feel like you couldn't. Well, I guess you could do that. I feel like all the like diehard Grays fans would have no idea who she is. But you could see like a little flashback. And if you're not a private practice fan, you're not a Grays fan. Just kidding. I know they exist. I just don't know where they are. (laughs) High five over. Yeah. Also, it's like funny because I was trying to think of like Debbie Ryan. I think she was like height of Disney. Yeah. Or like. Maybe she had like just finished Disney at this time. So it's like a very interesting choice to use Debbie Ryan in that spot. I loved it. Loved it. Anything else for Haley and Amelia? Mm-hmm. On to Toby Chang and I will not be saying his diagnoses. That's fine. Do you want to try? You should try. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. He lives in a group home. He's had nine foster homes in four years this poor child he has no one I felt so bad for him I still wasn't really sure what was what was wrong with him but I also can't pronounce it so it's heartbreaking to know that that exists because it does and I like I've seen parts of it in like the world of having a disabled brother and like watching group homes like you see the kids who don't have anybody else but like when you're that sick to not have anybody is just heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. I want to know more about his life. Like, was he abandoned because he was sick or mm-hmm. was it unrelated? Yeah. I kind of wanted him to be a multi-episode arc. Mm. Even though I'm sure yeah. this kid was like an under five. I'm sure he wasn't even a guest star. Yeah, no. Or a co-star. Have you ever leaned forward when you had a nosebleed or do you always lean back? I've never had a nosebleed. (laughs) Shocked. I've also never broken a bone, so there's that too. Knock on wood, this very second. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I think there are like... There are pros and cons Yeah, there's both. There's evidence of both, and I don't know what the true... So if you lean back, they say you get a stomach ache because it all goes to your stomach. But if you lean forward, it's never going to stop because gravity is going to make it keep going. Yeah. I lean back. I lean back with an ice pack and then I get the clot out and then it ends. I have nosebleeds all the time. I always have had have had nosebleeds. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's genetic. Thanks, dad. (laughs) He's listening right now. Thanks, dad. Dad. I always like (laughs) whatever ailment I have, like if it's like oily skin or like i don't know being anxious all the time i'm like thanks mom and dad 
Thanks, guys. Oh, my mom, <laughs> anything bad, my mom goes, that's from your dad. So, like, bad yes. teeth from my dad, bad eyes from my dad. She's like, that's from your dad. I'm like, mom, you had bad teeth. Like, stop it. No, it's your She's dad's like, fault. No, it's from your dad. Jenny does no wrong. No wrong. No, that was your dad. That's oh, your I dad. That. Oh, yeah. I love that. I forgot that Cooper missed Mason's show to stay with Toby. I forgot. That was really sad. Mm. The way that Cooper explained it, I really appreciated. But still, I get why he did it. I don't think he should have. I think that there was a way to do both. But I appreciate that he explained it to Mason in that way because it sort of is setting expectations. Yeah. But again, he's a pediatrician. He's not a pediatric surgeon. So you can kind of figure out when you're needed. Oh, no. He definitely made a choice to miss Mason's show. Like, it wasn't like – it wasn't a I had surgery and needed to be there. It was a I chose to choose this child over you, which is like – something really intense to say to a child that you didn't know existed for a really long time exactly and someone who had prepared so hard and needed you that show yeah but then at the end when mason comes in with the pokemon cards and he says you'll be better soon because my dad fixed you (laughs) i just have to say mason says poke a mon i know (laughs) Poke a mon. Like some dialect coach or somebody on set was like, it's poke a mon, not Pokemon. And I'm like, you said it wrong. Like as someone who had Pokemon cards, I'm like, it's Pokemon, not poke a mon. It was just <laughs> very funny. Maybe there was a dialect difference between Northern and Southern California in the 1990s. Your face. You can't. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> there was not. <laughs> okay. That's okay. I really don't have much for Toby. Hope he's okay. I do have to say when he says, he says the line, I don't want to die. That killed me. Oh, yeah. Because like, could you imagine being that age and hearing your doctor? Like I as an adult now, like go through, every time I go to the doctor, I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm like not. But like I have these moments where I'm like, I'm going to die. So like imagine being a kid who like knows you're sick. And is actually sick. You hear your doctor out there. And like, and your doctor's out there being like, he's going to die. And it's like, I just floor, jaw floor. He's going to need a lot of therapy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I just, it's really sad to think about a child like that. It's so sad. Hi, Toby. Anything else for Toby? No. Feel better, Toby. Thanks for helping me pronounce that. Feel better, Toby. Oh my God, when you said that, I was like, oh my God, Toby from This Is Us? Different. On to Pete Wilder with cardiac studies. Pete and Violet were in such a good place in the last episode when they were laughing on the kitchen floor. And I wish they could have like held on to that. And they just didn't. Pete says that he has up to 10 years left after this bypass. And Sam says it's more like 25. But Pete doesn't think so. I have so far from the couple we used to be, you don't know if you can get back there. I don't know. Is that when Pete and Sam are talking? Yeah, yeah, because right after that I have Pete says he thought he might actually get to dance at his son's wedding. Then he's like, dark humor is all I got. Well, no, he says, I have another 25 years with Violet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. Mm -hmm. It's not a good thing for him, but he won't leave her. 
but they got married before he had any inkling of a heart issue. So when he got uh-huh. married and said, till death do us part, he thought that meant 50, 70 years. So how that changes in less than two years for him, unreal. It's almost like they're like trauma bonded or something. And like they've, I feel like they really do love each other and have a mutual respect for each other or who each other used to be. But they have just gone through so much in these past few years. And it's more than most people go through in their whole lives. And so they're almost, I don't know if they're like regretful of each other because when they, like when Violet thinks of Lucas, she thinks of him being cut out of her. Or like when he thinks of Lucas, he thinks of, oh, but Violet left twice. Mm -hmm. I just think that they were doomed from the start. I think this shows, this is really funny. I think this shows like happy parent relationship versus parent, divorce parent relationship. Cause like I watch it and I'm like, good for Pete for knowing now versus like sticking it out for 25 years, which he's like prepared to do. I don't know. I think that, I think, I think as someone who comes from like a divorced household who like my parents never should have gotten married and they know that, like it's, it's interesting to watch a couple like fall apart because I think that Violet change as a person. So like my question becomes like, if you say yes to one person and a year later, they're a different person. Does your yes still count? I mean, I think we see that a lot with our contemporaries who got married at like 19 years old. Yeah. You're not the same person at 19 as you are at 25 or 30 or 50. And, like, we're not living in the 50s anymore where, like, you feel like you have to stay married. Like, he feels like he has to stay married, right? But, like, currently we don't live in a... I mean, like, I feel like our generation understands divorce a little more. And at least we can't... Like, I'm... I don't know. Like, I feel like I was the one... I had divorced parents from, a like, a, I was two months old when my parents got divorced. And, like, the next kid in school was, like, five when their parents got divorced. So, I just think... I don't know. I feel like I, I understood... Pete's point of view of like I'm going to stick it out but I don't know I feel like it's just hard to watch but they haven't said they haven't said they're getting divorced they're just separating she said I will leave if you won't and you want me to that's so manipulative though it's such a I will make myself the martyr if you want me to leave have you met Violet I mean, yeah, it's like there's no, it's set up in this way if she's like, I'm going to leave, but you have to say it. And I'm like, well, you're not actually. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's just like, she doesn't actually care about their relationship. She cares about proving herself right. Like she cares about him having to say that he doesn't want to be there instead of being like, let's work on this relationship. Because she even talks about it at some point in the episode. She's tried. But no, she hasn't. Because at some point in this episode, she's like, what does she say? She says like. We're going through this pattern of guilt. And I thought at some point he would just say, like, he needs me or something. She said something like, we would get, she's like, I always thought we'd get to the point where, like, we just realized it made us stronger. Yeah. But she hasn't put in any of the work to make them stronger. She's like, I just thought it would happen. Like, there has been no work on either side of their, of them to fix it. So, of course, it didn't work always they've always been each other's caretakers yeah they've never strictly been lovers yes or partners yeah they've never been 
partners, they've always been caretakers of each other or of their child. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're going to have a partnership, a life partnership, you kind of have to have good before you have to, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm very unqualified to talk about this topic. Me but too. <laughs> I, I just, they were, they never had a chance. They, yeah, no. Literally, they never had a chance. Like they, they weren't even together when they started being together. Yeah. I did to say though, like good on Pete and Sam for like, I, I thought it was really interesting in the dynamics in this episode for the women conversation versus the male male conversation. Cause the women conversation I felt like I talked about this before was very base level. And they're like almost trying to get the other to be like, yeah, you're right. Like this person's a dick. And what this person's a, a meanie. I realize I'm swearing a lot on your episode. Um, fine. But then the men have this conversation and they're like, it's an actual like emotional conversation about what they're feeling and how they need someone else to just hear how they're feeling. Like, it's just interesting because like women in TV and film and in general are seen as, as like, we have emotional conversations and men are all surface level. But to see them switched was quite beautiful to witness. And interesting that it was written by a man and directed by a man. Right. Also good good on Pete for saying he wanted her to leave. Yeah. Good on Pete. On a more surface level topic, how about in that scene when they're in Pete's office and Addison's office? How cute was Violet's suit? That like tan plaid suit with the brown sweater underneath? I just don't. I wouldn't wear it. I don't like Violet, so I don't watch her. I I know. I can't believe I'm 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 reading for her, but like her suit, you can appreciate it. But like it sounds cute. Go back, take a look. It's probably like 30, 30 some minutes in. I will go back and look. But I, I understand. Good fashion is oh good fashion. Yes. And then at 38 minutes and 51 seconds, I love the inner lining of her caramel colored coat when we're back in their house. Oh, yeah, I did see that. And Violet's, like, getting ready to leave. The Mm -hmm. inner lining is, like, artsy, multicolored faces. There's, like, blue and purple. It's really cute. I can never find coats and blazers, period, but coats and blazers with cute things inside. Yeah. I love a little pop of love. It's very cute and fun. I feel like Pete had, like, three lines in this episode. Yeah. And none of them are to Violet. Yeah. Yeah. But he's his face was acting great, but he just like, wasn't saying anything. Yeah. And again, I can't believe I'm praising Violet so much in this episode. I can't believe I, you are either, but like, here for it. I, I just like, I'm going to call it out when I see it either way. Yeah. That's how I feel. Any more for Pete and Violet before we move on to Miss Galini-esque? No. Okay. On to Miss. I really love Charlotte. Charlotte really only had like three lines this episode, but... Yeah, her too. Charlotte had like two very Stan Charlotte moments. And one was when Addison comes in and she goes, you look like 10 miles of bad road. Yes! (laughs) This is why we stand Charlotte. And then she has the moment of her and um, Mason when they go look for Cooper and he like smiles back at her. That was like, oh my, oh God, what a good stepmom moment. Like it's just, I think I really appreciate moments like that coming from like a divorced household. A moment where the kid, the kid is front and center, not everyone else's emotions about everything else. Like the kid is like the star. Anyway. Charlotte and Mason's relationship. It is the moment. 
Yeah. It is the moment. And I, like, couldn't say it until this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Charlotte and Mason's relationship and the growth that it has and Charlotte and Erica's relationship. Yeah. If this is your first watch of Piper Practice, I cannot wait for you to see what comes. Can't wait. Cooper practicing the video camera three weeks before Mason's school play. He's, like, looking at the instruction book. Oh, my goodness. It's so cute. And Violet says, you're not picking up a tripod or a boom mic? And he's like, oh, my God. (laughs) He was like, do I need that? Charlotte's face. And he's like, oh, my God, how could I forget? And everyone's like, oh, my God, you're like, this is so funny. But no one's saying anything because he's so excited. Yeah. And how about Mason and Cooper practicing their lines together? That's cute. Was he a cloud? Yes, Wait. he was. It was James the Giant Peach, and he was a cloud. He's a cloud. I know Eric was making his little cloud outfit with the cotton yeah. balls. I've been seeing a lot of Mini Coopers lately. I don't know why. I feel like I've been spending a lot of time near near Beverly Hills, but every time I see a Mini Cooper, I think of Mason. That's cute. <laughs> That's really cute. I want someone to Photoshop like Cars style Mason's face on a Mini Cooper, and then it's just like, hey, it's Mason. That'd be adorable. That's Someone on TikTok. Just tag me. Just tag me. All right. So Tay Diggs slash Sam wears his glasses like the whole time in this episode. Oh, yeah. Being a contact wearer and a glasses person, it makes me wonder if Tay Diggs had dry eye or like a sty or something going on where he couldn't wear his contacts for the days of filming because he never has worn glasses this much. He wears like spectacles when he's doing surgery sometimes, but Mm -hmm. he does not consistently wear, he doesn't consistently wear glasses. Do you think it's a choice by costuming to show that he's he's exhausted and not getting any sleep? Yeah, I wonder if, like, I always think something like that's really interesting to think about, like, is there a reason why he's doing it? That's not, like, the actor, because there's always, like, could be, like, an actor moment, too. But, like, I think if you think about it, like, is there a reason why he's doing it? It's always really interesting. I mean, just knowing how difficult it is to film with glasses, with the glares and everything, I feel like it has to be a medical issue on the actor's part. If anyone on the team is listening, please let me know. It won't mean that you're promoting your work i just we want to know we're curious yeah okay 32 minutes and 13 seconds when addison and violet are in addison's office after after she's passed out there's a bag of chips on the table did you see it did you notice it? no i did not notice it okay so it's sitting open like in a perfect little cylinder and i recognize it as like such a prop chip bag because real chips don't stay open like that but prop chip bags are specific so that they don't make sound. Mm-hmm. And it's just such like a prop chip bag. It's not a normal chip bag. At 41 minutes and 17 seconds, I'm wondering if Sheldon is wearing Cooper's velvet blazer because it's the same velvet blazer that Cooper normally wears. But like I'm sure it's different because they're different sizes, I guess. But yeah. I've just never seen so many people wear velvet blazers, especially in Southern California. Yeah. No, I would not. No. It's a strange choice. <laughs> Do you have any more miscellaneouses? No. Just that I like the cliffhanger. But. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. My last is that Charlotte is so happy to see Amelia at the Thanksgiving table. Makes me really want some mashed potatoes. 
<laughs> Wait, Sam style. <gasps> yes. Is Addison's maroon sleeveless wrap thing. It's perfect for IVF shots and it's a great office outfit. I also love the like messy bun with the loose front pieces that she has going on and those little diamond studs and the gold bangle. She wears it in the scene with Violet where she's taking the vitamins and then again in therapy and you see it's like kind of ribbed. Oh, oh, I forgot to say something. When we were talking about Sam and Addison's therapy session, you know how sometimes we see the therapist writing down notes? Mm -hmm. I really wanted to see what he was writing down when Sam was like, I want you. I don't want a baby. Yeah. I really wanted to see what he's going to write down. Can you tell me our guest star spotlight? My guest star spotlight. I I feel like it has to be Debbie Ryan because like Disney and all that stuff. But I do want to say this is my, this is why I'm an inclusion activist. I want her to have a conversation about the fat suit she wears in Insatiable in 2018 because like we're in 2018 and we will no longer accept that now in 2023. So, you know, Debbie Ryan, if you want to have a conversation, I'm available. I never watched that show because the, uh, it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem like something I would like to use my brain space for that storyline is, yeah, no, not interested. So tell me more about her. She was on Disney Channel for a long time. She was in Sweet Life of Zack and Cody on deck. And then she was in Jessie. And then she was in the show called Radiohead. And if you have TikTok, she does this thing where she goes like this with her bangs. Because no one should have had bangs. No one should have bangs. The amount of bangs <laughs> that were alive when we were in high school was alive. dumb. The bangs was, are alive. Too many. No one looks good with bangs. It's very rare that you actually look good with bangs. So don't go through the the hardship of cutting bangs. So, but there's this like moment where everyone goes like this. Speak to the youths. Well, thank you for that guest star spotlight. You're welcome. So our trivia for this episode is this episode scored 7.23 million viewers. That's the same number as last week because this is the second part of a two-hour private practice event. The first part being Who We Are, which we covered last week with our Amelia Scholar, Margot. We had three more Mary J. Blige songs this episode and only those songs again. I really want to know why we're only choosing Mary J. Blige songs for this storyline. We've had six Mary J. Blige songs in the last two episodes and no other music. Because she's fantastic. Well, yes. But it's just a <laughs> it's a very specific choice. Fair. And I don't – it's not a bad choice. I just – if you're doing something that intentionally, I want to know the reason. That's all I'm saying. John Lacey, who plays Jim Davies, who's the social services counselor for Toby – also plays Zachary in a season seven episode of Grey's Anatomy. He's the logger who got a double arm transplant. And one of the arms had a little tattoo that said the name Nicole. And then underneath he said, thank you. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was looking at him and I was like, you look so familiar to me. So thank you, Grey's Wiki, for once again saving the day. I'm ready for Christina's choosings. Oh my God, I have no idea. I just want... Charlotte and Cooper and Mason to have their own spinoff about how happy they are. 
You know and they're then, all on a show together on Freeform, I, right? I know. Wait, what is it again? There was on something. It's called recently. Cruel Summer. Oh, I've seen that. I saw the first season of that. But I'm I'm just like curious as to what's gonna happen with Addison and her baby. Because well, like not baby, but like you know what I mean? Like the whole storyline of her being a mom. And I just I hope that we can find space for Addison to like find her power again. I feel like she's kind of missing her power. And like well, we know that we know that she does because of where she is on current grace. Yeah, right? fair. But you mean you want to see how she becomes a person again in okay. your mind? Yeah, that's what I want. Those are my choosings. I want Violet to disappear from every episode, and I want Pete to be happy again. <laughs> I love how we've become like I openly am like I don't like Violet as a character. I don't <laughs> like either, I, but I think I she know. was good this episode i guess so but like yeah anyway those are my choosings so my rating is that first breath of salt air when you get out of the car or the airport at your vacation destination it's like (sighs) i love that what no i love that oh i thought you were laughing at me no i know it's exactly what you mean too because especially after the last episode, it's like, oh, yeah. or like when you're finishing a song and you're on a minor chord and then it resolves, but that's not beach themed. Mm, Maybe beach themed. Yeah. I'm ready for your rating. Mine? Yeah. I feel like mine, this is, <laughs> I. <laughs> it makes me laugh. So I feel like I called my rating a Dorothy memory problem in Malibu. Did I say Dorothy? I meant Dory. A, sorry, let me say this again. A Dory memory problem in Malibu. Okay, because like I from, was thinking Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, and I was like, yeah. But- sorry, tired. A Dory, like, because I feel like everyone is not purposely forgetting, like Nemo Dory. Like Nemo Dory. I feel like everyone is having this moment where they're like. I'm just going to forget the bad stuff that's happening and focus on what I want to focus on. So like, I see that Sam, you know, like Addison is focusing on the baby and Violet is focusing on Addison and like Pete is trying to focus on his heart. So he doesn't have to focus on Violet. I feel like everyone is choosing to like almost look away from whatever is bothering them to focus on something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. I do. In Malibu. Yeah. In Malibu because we have to be in Malibu. Although being Dory under the sea would suffice as a beach theme anyway, but I appreciate that it's geographically in the same ocean. Well, and Dory like has actual problems and everyone in Malibu has these like made up problems. So I feel like that's why it's in Malibu. Maybe not (laughs) everyone in Malibu. (laughs) I meant like in the show. Sorry, like not purposely like everyone in Malibu, but like. Okay. I literally can't believe I'm saying this. Um, my MVP is Dr. Violet Turner. I don't think she's gotten this in a long time. And she hasn't deserved it in a long time. But I feel like she deserves it in this episode for being Addison's support system, for sacrificing her marriage for her, for her partner's happiness. Although maybe in Christina's mind that was selfish. And I see how that's possible. But she's not being all selfish all the time like she has been for the past few years. Your faith. That's fair. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Everybody has to have their moment in the MVP spotlight, except for Katie Kent. 
not her. <laughs> Who's your MVP? My MVP is Mason because he puts his dad, he has this like whole like conversation and like it, I think it shows like the maturity of children. Like you can get to watch it where he's like, you know, his dad did something to him that was like really sad and he has to be like, but my dad was helping someone else. And so it was like the moment when you're like a kid and you realize that your parents are human beings. So it was really interesting and like beautiful to watch that story unfold and I think that I really like Mason he's adorable yeah he's great he's great he's great he and Erica are really great additions to this season agreed yeah thank you for being here thanks for having me yeah next time you're on I think you'll be back from the UK (gasps) yes otherwise we can have a UK conversation about it too yeah yeah (laughs) what if you just like pretend to have an accent you go for two months and you come back and you're like what a spot of tea. What a spot of tea. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. And you can follow me at Prima Donna Pena on all social media. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Pretty Please, and sharing with a friend. It also helps people learn about the show and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhabpodcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 5, Episode 10. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT.